0: Carbone, a thought-provoking opportunity to expand your perspectives and advance the impact you can make in the CX, EX, and patient experience space. Lou's undeniable combination of the depth of experience and knowledge in this space is unparalleled. As a driver inside organizations as well as consulting, Lou offers distinctive thought stimulation as a dedicated mentor and teacher. Today, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, someone who uh, made a difference in my life, Uh, someone who uh, I consider to be one of the experts in understanding brand valuation and the relationship of that to experience. Lonnie Lorenz Fry, formerly of John Deere, and uh, I'm actually wearing a John Deere t-shirt today. for our conversation that I wore to the state fair. And boy, when we talk about brand, uh, I went to the Minnesota state fair and I must have had uh, probably close to 60 people with thumbs up. Uh, someone going way to go, man. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And Lonnie um, has uh, an advanced degree in psychology, I believe in business oh, an an MBA. An MBA, yeah, and uh, just absolutely astounding. We met while doing work a workshop uh, for John Deere Financial. Lonnie was invited over to observe the workshop, and she said, "Oh my gosh, this is great because I'm working with brand valuation, and the brand, and the experience is like putting money in a piggy bank that you get a return on." In terms of the valuation of the brand, that if the brand just sits idle and you live off the fat of the brand without making investments, uh, experientially, you're really not increasing the value as much as you could. I thought that was one of the most incredible insights. And I've been at this. uh, My shirt says John Deere, 175 years. I've been at it a long time, uh, but that was one of the most poignant descriptions. Of brand and its value. Welcome, Lonnie. And uh, if anything that you would like to add to your background, I know you were in retail before uh, going to Deer, and, and that was a very big shift.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Lou. Yeah, I, I too really enjoyed um, the projects that we worked on together. And um, yeah, so prior to Deer, I was in sales for a while and merchandising, and I think. For me, that really drove home this kind of realization that you know, the experience of the customer has is what drives brands. Uh, you know, and So then when I, when I had a chance to join the brand team at John Deere and started at the beginning when the brand team was sort of the logo cops and built that into a group that was really supporting enterprise strategy. And it became really clear early on that you know, a brand can make a really compelling promise to the marketplace. But if that promise isn't delivered through the things that they're doing, and that can be the experience an employee is having or, you know, definitely the experience a customer is having or the way they're behaving as a um, a, kind of a, a citizen of the world, that, you know, that's detracting from the promise. And that's where, you know, kind of this thought of the piggy bank of, you know, if you're making a promise and then you're delivering on it, you're adding money to the bank. If you're making a promise and you're not delivering on it. You know, that's decreasing brand value. People can't can't believe what you say.
0: And Lonnie, the other thing that was breakthrough at the time that we got a chance to do this work was your insight into employee experience, which was virtually unheard of at the time that we did that. And, and it was like suddenly everyone is like, Oh, is employee experience more important than customer experience? Tell us more about the the realization, I was just so excited that we had an, an early chance ahead of almost many, many other organizations, uh, especially established organizations versus startups to think about the employee experience. Yeah,
1: well, and you know, I think the, the folks that are delivering on what your brand promises is, are the people who are inside the company. Um, and I had been working with the head of strategy for our business in Asia, um, we were trying to find ways that brand could really help propel the business in that area. And so, you know, we did some things that I would consider the the basics, right? Like we identified that the marketing teams didn't know about the brand and how to represent it. And so, you know, that's, that's an easy fix, right? You train the agencies, train the marketing teams. Um, but then another big problem that was taking place in that, uh, in that region was, you know, unlike North America, where, to your experience, Lou, people know who John Deere is and they have an emotional connection to the brand. It wasn't the case in Asia. Right. And so finding and retaining employees was difficult. And so we identified this whole area of, you know, sort of employee engagement and, and retention as a way to connect with with the brand that um, at the time, even in some exit interviews, um, people didn't know what the company did and what the brand was about, right? And you think these are people who are designing products that customers are experiencing. Um, and so we, we, um, I worked with leadership of the region to say, hey, could we create a brand ambassador program, you know, not this uh, focused on making the brand prettier outside, but that's focused on really bringing the brand to life inside the company so that if an employee looks across the street and says, you know, company X will pay me 10% more, there's something that's keeping them there. There's that emotional connection to, to the brand and how they experience the brand every day and, and what the brand is doing kind of in the larger world that, you know, can help offset it and, and make it become less of a, a kind of a commodity or a transaction and more of a relationship that, that an employee has with the company.
0: And Lonnie, what was really amazing was the ability to engage teams on a global basis and actually have them participate in the methodology and the process. And I think that many organizations still struggle with how do I engage employees in helping to design their own experience versus designing the experience. It was designed from the inside and emotional needs of the employee. Uh, Can you talk more to that and the effect that it had? I think one of the comments uh, that uh, McCool, who was, was that the people said, boy, I wish I could be rehired to go through the first day experience again.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's, Lou, where, where kind of the partnership with your team really came into play, right? Because we had the, The agreement from leadership that this was something we could do, but we wanted to make sure that we were doing it right, you know, and that we were doing it, you know, from that kind of emotional connection that employees have or could have, um, you know, with the employer and that it wasn't just, you know, the brand team coming in and saying this is something we should do, but we had, you know, one or two people nominated by leadership um, from each unit that came together and they learned deeply about brand and they learned deeply about the connection between brand and employee experience and brand and customer experience. And then we engaged them in creating this experience, right? So we said, hey, where is it, where's a way if we look at, you know, kind of the employee journey with the company, where's a place that we can really have the biggest impact. And and that's where this, you know, kind of first day or those early days someone has with a company, I think we know as people who've been employed, right, that that that's emotional, right? Like, did I make the right choice? Um, Do I know what to wear? Do I know where to park? You know, things that just seem silly after you've been there for a, a month or two, but um, at that time, they're they're very emotional and can be make or break, right? You know, you could say, oh, God, I had a horrible experience. And then if someone comes along and offers me 10% more, I'm going to take that leap. If I had a great experience and start that connection, then, it, you know, it's more likely that I'll stay.
0: Lonnie, when you look at uh, those sessions that there was a lot of pre-work that was done remotely and then there was the in-person Honestly, the last day of the three-day sessions, uh, I'd get choked up with the emotion that everyone was feeling. It it wasn't just me feeling that. It was just like a magical moment. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, just the
1: enthusiasm that folks had coming out of those sessions. Um, You know, and it wasn't just raw, raw enthusiasm. It was enthusiasm that they kind of had new tools that they could take back to their work. And I think, um, you know, for me, one of the things that was most rewarding was then hearing, you know, four months later that, um, you know, one of the team members or two of them who are at the same unit took that knowledge and said, yes, we're going to activate the brand internally as was asked of our role as brand ambassadors. But we're also going to take a look at You know, when someone comes to pick up their equipment from our factory, how can we take what we learned about experience and and elevate that experience for those customers? And so it was, um, you know, so rewarding that they were enthusiastic and they were doing what, what they asked, but that also they were so enthusiastic that they went, you know, we can make an impact in other areas of the business beyond just, you know, what was asked of us in that session or at that time.
0: And Lonnie, didn't one of the participants actually win the President's Award the one year? Yeah, so
1: one of the groups um, or one of the, the team members um, was part of the team that that stood up kind of an innovative process for customer lending um, that won um, one of the President's Awards for innovation.
0: Really remarkable. I mean, yeah. you should be so proud of the work that you and your team did. Uh, and I was so proud uh to be a small part of that and and to just uh be along um uh, I, I enjoyed it immensely yeah. it, the heavy lifting from your team uh was was so great and their engagement your 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 individual team and then yeah. the expanded team right in each of these countries uh was really pretty amazing How does it – how do you find the rest of the world in terms of now that you've left Deere, how do you find getting this same message across to other organizations? And and what's the bridge that someone has to cross to understand the power of unleashing this? Is it a difficult thing to to get across to people or – do they immediately say, oh, I get it, I should do that immediately? Um, so I would say
1: it, it's, it, there's kind of f- few people necessarily that go, oh, gosh, this is, I, it totally makes sense. Um, I mean, a- after or I joined a company that was really large, and it was so large that it was hard to even make those connections. Um, and then the next company I was at was a little bit smaller, and through conversations with key folks, you know, kind of key leaders, I was able to help them see that, you know, while the work they did might seem like it was something that wasn't connected to brand, it was vital because the work they were doing was actually delivering on that brand experience. And, um, you know, in, in that situation, just being able to kind of have those conversations and make those connections um, was was able to to kind of pair the two. But I think so many times people think about brand as just marketing, right? And and there's certainly Um, You know, since I started in brand, you know, many years ago, there's been an evolution. But I think still when people think about brand, they naturally go to the marketing side of brand, which is really important. But that leaves behind, to me, the most important part of brand, which is that delivery and that experience. And, um, you know, so it's, it's rewarding for me to be able to kind of help people make those connections. You know, and sometimes it's even... Um, you know, kind of standing people in the shoes, you know, their time as a customer, right? Like, I think we've all had experiences where we're enthusiastic, and we're so, you know, kind of optimistic about engaging with a brand, and then it just falls flat, you know, and it doesn't fall flat because of the advertising, but it falls flat because, you know, I tried to order something online, and my code didn't go through, and then I tried to call someone, and I couldn't get a hold of anyone, and You know, so all that enthusiasm I had to sort of make that choice to engage with that brand and and then, you know, kind of take action is just just dead and it has nothing to do with the brand, but it has to do with that, you know, looking holistically at that experience that customers are having with the brand.
0: Lonnie, do you think that in the pandemic that some organizations may be resting on brand and kind of tending to almost... Uh, make excuses for the experience
1: oh that's a that's a good question um, gosh you know i i i I look at um so one of the the retailers that I really like to do business with right I used to you know sort of wander around in their store and probably buy more things than um I really needed uh, and, and when they responded to the pandemic from curbside delivery, they brought some of that you know, even, even to, to life. And even though I'm just pulling up my car, you're making it easy for me. You know, I'm willing to, to let you know where I am using my car GPS, because that means that when I get there, it's going to be a more seamless experience. Uh, mm-hmm. it, and so I think some of the, 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 at least from my experience, some of the brands that were really good at it, were able to kind of flip and, and say, Hey, we're going to stay good at it. Um, and, and some of them that aren't, I think are, are maybe struggling a little bit more
0: interesting uh, as you look at that. And uh, Lonnie, the other thing that was so interesting was um, it wasn't just first day of work. It was how do people connect to product and manufacturing. And uh, that was one of the most fascinating days to me was uh, going through, I think it was a cedar factory. uh, And these pieces of equipment were like almost a million dollars and that some people, some farmers, that you could actually watch it being built. Yeah. Uh, but the ability for employees to connect to the magic of putting something like that together, yeah. I still am amazed by that, that factory tour um, yeah. and how that was uh, – could you explain how that was rolled out so that employees could actually experience that?
1: Yeah. Uh, So at at many uh, John Deere factories, they offer tours and and some of them encourage new employees to go and some don't. And one of the insights that we gathered along the way was that that was, you know, a factory tour was a way that employees could connect with the company. Right. You're standing there, you know, watching this equipment being built. Um, But as we did some factory tours, we realized they were very uh, sort of technically focused. Right. You know, here's where we put on this and here's how we heat treat this Um, and so what we wanted to do was say hey we can't change the factory tour because each factory had their own tour guides and their own agendas Um, but what we can do is we can kind of surround it with an experience right so we can um, you know electronically it was all um, you know sort of a digital first um, experience surrounding this factory tour you know, we can send them an invitation from the factory manager and not just an invitation that says, hey, come tour the factory, but starts to you know, kind of weave in some of the higher purpose, starts to weave in um, what this equipment means to, to customers, right? And make that connection between the work that is done every day and the customers' livelihoods and customers' experiences. And so, um, you know, using kind of an online experience we were able to kind of walk them through that so that when they showed up at the factory, they had some background and meaning to what they were seeing built. Um, And then, you know, we had, uh, you know, kind of some thought starters for them going into the factory tour, some ways they could sort of connect and engage digitally after the tour so they could share their experience. And yes, the experience of, wow, this is incredibly, you know, kind of incredible manufacturing. But more importantly, wow, this is really, you know, a customer's livelihood. Um, this is helping to, you know, kind of make the world food um, production system more productive and so just that ability to say hey this is an experience that's really cool but let's wrap it in more meaning that's going to then make those emotional connections you know for employees and the brand but also between employees and the brand and the customers
0: so powerful that there were different facets of the program and there are uh, probably a number of people that are aware of the first day experience because it was featured in a book uh call them uh, uh, moments that matter and it was uh, chip and dan heath who wrote about it how have you felt about the the response and i'm sure that that uh you hear as as i do periodically someone will say hey that stuff at john deere that was pretty cool <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was um it was
1: kind of surprising to me when, when they reached out and they were working on, you know, the, the power of moments book and and wanted to learn more about the work that um, our team um, Lou and your team had done together Um, because, you know, so many times, or I would say almost every single time in in like, at least in my career and I'm sure other people's career, right. There's the, the kind of joy of doing good work and knowing that you've accomplished something that's going to move the company forward. Um, But there's very few times when it's recognized externally and recognized as something that's kind of um, leading and um, kind of a a leading in an area of thought. And so, um, yeah, I was I was really flattered and and flattered on behalf of my team because it really was um, an effort that we pulled together. And and it was great because everyone believed in it. Right. Like we in the brand group believed in it. You know, your team believed in it. um, The folks in the units that were helping deploy this, believed did it, and then to, to see sort of all of that belief and enthusiasm reflected um, externally was was great.
0: It really was uh, a, a once-in-a-lifetime. I don't want to say once-in-a-lifetime. I hope there are many more experiences right. like that for you and I. Um, but it was uh, one of the most memorable things that uh, I, I can recall yeah. working on. Uh, when you were there, the other thing that you did that was rather phenomenal uh, there were a lot of anecdotal stories about the power of the brand at Deer. There was also um, a general knowledge and feeling because it existed, that you knew this was a cherished brand. But you did something very uh, powerful, which was established brand valuation. For dear, and I, as I recall, it continued to increase as um, as experientially as as things moved forward. Can you talk a little bit about that work also? I thought was I thought that was so great uh, coming in because so many people are concerned about ROI on customer experience and ROI on the brand. They may even understand a little bit more. But everything is like, oh, well, this is soft stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when um, when, you know, when I joined the brand group, I mentioned that the brand group was, you know, kind of the logo cops was, you know, hey, um, you know, kind of a very protection focused um, view of brand. Um, and along the way, you know, leadership of the company realized that in order to succeed globally, the company needed to elevate the work they were doing in brand. And so that's how I joined the brand group was to lead that project. Um, And it was funny at the beginning of the project, um, as I was onboarding my team, I put together this list of like the 10 things that this project is gonna help us do you know, and one of them was, I mean, people might be familiar that people tattoo Spain, particularly sort of in, in North America, will get a John Deere tattoo because they connect so broadly to the brand. And so one of them was we want customers globally to feel so passionate about the brand that they get tattooed. Um, and then one of the other ones that was that John Deere would make the list of, of the top 100 best global brands. Right. And so these were just sort of for fun, aspirational. Um, but then, you know, I guess it was probably. A year and a half, two years after we um, deployed the brand work, John Deere did make the um, inner brand um, top one hundred best global brands and we started at ninety seven um, and it was funny because i I sat in my where I was sitting, one of the p r managers sat sort of just across the row and at an angle to me. And so he was monitoring right when these results came out and, and got it. And he stood up and he yelled into my office, we're 97, right? And so we made that 97. And then he, he was <laughs> chanting, we're 97, um, which was a, a great feeling. Um, but one of the things that it sort of opened up for us was this conversation with leadership to say, hey, you know, brand isn't something that's just fuzzy. And it's not something that's just about all of our ads looking like they come from one place. Um, you know, this is real value to the company. And so when when we made that ranking and, and we were able to say, hey, the brand is worth X billions of dollars, I think it, it um, gave us the ability to have some more serious conversations about the way we were managing the brand and looking at the brand as an asset that the company needed to invest in and, and pay attention to, and so it, I think mean, it gave us that business grounding that then enabled us to have conversations to do things that would elevate the brand globally.
0: Moni, what advice would you give to people who are struggling in organizations to understand the breadth and depth of brand and that it is not um, static? that there's a circle that surrounds it in terms of the experiential circle that supports yeah. that brand and uh you know i think that you've heard me talk about brands that lose sight of that and end up disappearing yeah. um, and there's that ever-present danger uh, for organizations to inhale their own fumes from a brand perspective yeah. What's your advice to people in an organization trying to expand the thinking uh, around the brand around these these things and I, I, you did such a masterful job within an organization that had so much to beat its chest about and could have rested on its laurels and said gee we don't need to dig any deeper let's just make sure no one uh, puts the John Deere logo on their tombstone. That was my favorite story was when asking permission to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, just kind of, you know, after having moved on from Deere and then continuing to have conversations with folks in the brand and CX space, I think that partnership between brand and customer experience within an organization is so important. And, um, you know, which you know, that's how you and I met, right? That that Aaron Wallace, who is a great customer experience leader, said, "Hey, we need to have brand be part of our champions program." And we weren't leading it, but we were there to bring in that essence of who we wanted to be, so that it could be delivered through experience. And I think, um, you know, making those connections between brand and CX, so that they, you know, the groups aren't working in silos, and they, you know, each of them understand that they're feeding into this, you know, kind of cycle of, of company and brand growth. Um, so I think that's hugely important. And it surprises me, um, you know, when I talk to people and teams aren't talk, those two teams aren't talking to each other, uh, you know, and I think that's probably um, a, a little bit of a silo thinking on both sides, right? Like maybe the brand folks thinking about brand more as Um, you know, sort of marketing and promotion and the, you know, the customer experience folks saying, hey, well, we're just here to make this experience great. But, you know, if those lines of communication can be opened, uh, you know, and I also think, um, because I recently um, studied for and passed my customer experience professional certification, uh, you know, and just finding those ways to say, hey, we could probably actually leverage each other's knowledge and work and research on both ends, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if, you know, brands, social listening tools were fed back into the customer experience work. Wouldn't it be great if customer experience were doing sort of ethnographic research on customers if brand was a part of that so that you're co-creating both what you're saying, um, you know, and what you're doing and really serving as as partners for that. Um, I think that is You know, just a really powerful first step is to, you know, reach across the silos and say, hey, we have a ton of commonality in what we're trying to accomplish here. Let's work together.
0: Why is it difficult in some organizations, perhaps at very senior levels, to not understand the constructs around co-creation of value in an organization by the multiple that it's let's work together nicely. But not understanding cross-pollination and the ability to co-create, it's very different than saying cooperate with one another. It's like right. like having children, and yeah. uh, it's like don't fight, uh, play well together, and yeah. they each go off and kind of play their own game, but right. never really get fully engaged. Um, how? How do we overcome that in an organization?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because I think many times um, internal incentives are aligned for people to continue to work in their silos. Right. Um, You know, if I I think about budgeting time. Right. You know, budgeting time is all about like, what are my group's goals and how can I put together the business cases necessarily necessary to get funding to achieve those goals? Right, And so it's like, hey, this is my brand money or this is my customer experience money. Um, and, and I think once you set that up to be like, it's my money, here are my goals, that then it's really hard after you have the money and you're responsible for delivering on those goals to then come back and say, hey, let's work together on this. But you know, even I, I think starting at a top leadership level to have that realization that you know, what you say and what you do need to be connected which means, you know, brand and marketing and customer experience all need to be connected. And not that they need, you know, all the same budgets, but, you know, if leadership understands that, that holistic piece um, and then could accept if, you know, hey, brand comes and says, hey, I need, you know, X number of dollars, but this is a co-project with, customer experience in order to look at you know the sort of check-in experience for example that that our clients are having and here's why it's important that both teams are involved you know even if the budget sits in one place there's an expectation at a leadership level that there will be collaboration so i think that collaboration has to sort of back up and say hey it's got to be understanding at a top leadership level um, and then both sides taking a leap of faith to say, hey, we're going to put together a proposal to do this together and we're going to do it together well and and deliver on it as a, a co-goal rather than keeping our budgets and goals in silos.
0: So Lonnie, do you think that, that part of the, the industrial age in manufacturing, and this was what was so amazing to me about Deere, uh, was this ability to kind of think more broadly that a lot of times, senior managers, very senior executive levels, C-suite, will look at the silos and manage the silos. And um, we had a, a restaurant, a, a restaurant client in the hospitality business, that fused the marketing department and HR together. Interesting. And felt that my God, my greatest asset in marketing is my people. Yeah. And yet. What we're concentrating on in that department is functional skills versus literally fusing the idea of brand and marketing together. Yep. But it required someone at the top to yep. say, "I'm going to manage you as a whole unit right. versus is HR getting the you know getting this right is so and so getting that right?" It's how are you all coming together to create value?"
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in that case as a restaurant, I mean, your brand is your experience, right? It's how people Mm -hmm. are treated, you know, throughout the time that they're in your restaurant. You know, it's not just how how good your food tastes. And so, um, you know, kind of having the foresight to look at that and say, hey, this is all one thing. You know, we've got to say something that get people gets people into our restaurant or engages people with our brand. But then that has to be delivered through. You know the choices that people make when they're when they're serving those customers.
0: Lonnie, where do you see the future of what are people going to have to think about going forward from uh, being able to create competitive advantage and strong brand experiences and brand uh, like John Deere? What yeah. what can we learn from a brand that survived? from a blade of steel and 175 years ago to the industry that it is today. And there are many companies that are building brands from scratch. But what do you do when you're in a company that, because you've experienced all sides. You've been in that company that started with this, the the blade. You've been in yeah. a company that was starting a new area. Yeah. I believe it was actually um, – home hardware and cutting new ground in warehousing that idea. And then you've been involved in other companies. Um, what, is the, what is the magic formula in terms of um, trying to get an organization? Um, we talked a little bit about uh, the person that you're reported to and their openness and idea of open mindedness in business what's your what are your thoughts on open mindedness and and what made that person so distinctive uh, bill and again bill's last name just
1: yeah becker bill becker bill becker yeah yeah well and uh, and so i i worked with bill for gosh probably like 8 years maybe reported to him um you know and the thing that you know he came very much from sort of the marketing promotions side of brand um But the thing I loved about working with him was that um, he was very open to possibilities, right? That if I would come to him with things like, hey, you know, we want to spend money in building the brand by helping create employee experiences, you know, he didn't look at me like I was crazy, right? He and I had a relationship that, you know, I could come to him and say, hey, you know, based on these insights, here's what I think we should do. And here's what we project can be the value delivered back to the company. Um, you know, and even though it was something that might not have been uh, completely 100% in his space that he was comfortable in, he was willing to go, yeah, I can see the possibilities in that. And I think that speaks, um, you know, to leadership and, and a way that I've tried to show up as a leader as well is not just like I have all the answers, because why would I need a team if I had all the answers? But that we all have a role to play in sort of building direction and delivering on that direction. Um, and so it was, it was lovely to, you know, to work for someone who saw that possibility. And then, you know, again, it's something that I've tried to carry forth to say, hey, you know, we are actually better together as a team because we bring different experiences and insights. And, you know, if we listen to others and, and you know, maybe it gets back to this idea of co-creation. Right. And and say, hey, you know, that's a really interesting idea. Like, how could we, you know, kind of bring that to help against this this business goal? And so it's, um, you know, not just co-creation across silos, but even that, you know, as a leader, having sort of the confidence to say, I don't have all the answers and my team can help us build something that's greater than any of us could come up with alone.
0: That is very difficult to find in some organizations, that open mindedness and trust. Yeah, uh, that somehow I feel good about going in this direction, even though I don't understand it or control it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, I mean, and one of the things that that you mentioned, Lou, was, um, you know, John Deere's been around a long time, right? And that means that they've had to continue to innovate and grow and drive, and any company that's been around a long time has had to do that. But I think that coming at it from the customer point of view, um, and I think it's something that John Deere did very well and continues to do well internally is to say, Hey, you know, we believe, uh, or, you know, as employees in what we're doing to support the customers, um, you know, and, and um, I think that's something that, um, that companies can do to help bring that to life. Right. I think so many times the the real life of the customer isn't brought internally. Let's tell a customer story. Right. Um, the, You know, the last um, employer I had was at a chain of pet hospitals, and we were starting to really make some progress on um, thinking about the experience that, yes, that the animal was having, which is where the company had been, but also that the person with the checkbook had, right? And and, um, I think there, you know, you have so much emotion tied into the experiences that people have when they're, you know, maybe their pet is ill and and you've helped them recover, um, that I think it's a missed opportunity not to mine that and bring it inside because that's what's powerful, right? That's why people choose to work for companies is because they believe in what the company is doing and, you know, not just believe in it from a, oh, look how profitable we are, or, how much the, the stock price has gone up, but they believe in it because they're delivering something that, you know, to customers or to the world um, as a whole that they are passionate about. And so I think finding those stories about the impact you've had on customer lives, customers' lives and, you know, kind of. Papering the walls with them, you know, calling them out, making sure that people understand that why they're there is for this bigger reason of serving customers and making impact on their lives. Um, and, you know, make that part of something people see every single day when they come to work.
0: And Lonnie, we, uh, we just had a pet put down about three months ago. And my screensaver just before I signed on is my big brown eyed dog looking right. at me. Yeah. And uh, my daughter last week had to have a dog put down oh. and we recommended the same way that we did it, yeah. which was basically uh, at home where that yeah. came to the house and just absolutely unbelievable. When you think of yeah. the emotion um, yeah. and what you saw and what you brought uh, at deer and what deer's brand was about, oh. uh, I don't even think Simon Simic had started talking about purpose and and the why, and John Deere already started talking about the why, and I was amazed at the story of being able to say, we make the world more productive um, in so many different ways, including shelter and ways that I never even thought of, and um, it made me so proud. It makes me proud to wear a shirt. It makes me proud to go to the state fair because I realize that it's more than just equipment. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think that's like, that's the power of brand. You know, the the power of brand is to to find those ways to make those emotional connections. Um, But then that's also the power of customer experience. Right. And that's where, um, you know, when I think about the two being in silos, it sort of drives me crazy. I'm like, you're both going for the same thing. Right. And, and you can both, you know, deliver on it in your unique ways, right? You know, brands can create those compelling stories that draw people in. And then the experiences that they have are what is either saying, like, I'm going to believe what that brand says and give them more money and and retain my connection. Or, you know, I'm going to lose credibility because the experience I had, you know, wasn't what was promised to me. And, And so that just that in order to have that power of the kind Of holistic and growing brand, you know, brand and CX need to be partners in crime.
0: Lonnie, you have always been such a great joy to work with. I've learned so much from you and um, including my PowerPoint presentations that just gratuitous <laughs> <a> animation. <laughs> I've watched it ever since, and our relationship has been so great. Yep. Uh, the abilities that we had to talk to one another, frankly, to be yep. Yep. so uh engaged. I don't uh, yep. I thank God and I'm so grateful for having met you, worked with you, have you in my life. Um and uh it's a time I'll never forget. Yeah and same. I'm ever grateful for. Um, one of the last question have two last questions that yep. I usually ask, which is what is the most memorable experience you've had with a brand?
1: Uh, me personally with a brand? Yes. Uh, well, and so maybe this isn't
0: other than the, John here.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe this isn't the most memorable ever, but it's like recent and really impactful. So, um, I'm a I'm a crazy dog person. I train and show dogs as a hobby, and um, I got a puppy that recently outgrew the crates that I had. And so I was looking everywhere for the specific type of crate and I found it at Orvis. Um, and I went online and, and had a coupon code and, you know, ordered this crate that I'm looking for forever and the coupon code didn't go through. So when it, I got the final invoice, you know, it, it wasn't applied. And so I called them and, you know, those experiences, I, I was sort of dreading it. I'm like, God, I have to get on the phone and it's going to take forever. Um, they picked up right away. The person on the other line immediately apologized and said, oh, if you're doing an online transaction, you never should have had to call me. Didn't question me, looked in my account and said, oh, I see that, yes, you should have this coupon applied, applied the coupon, um, apologized for it happening, waived the shipping for me. I didn't ask for it. He just said, you know, this isn't the experience we want people to have. So I'll do this for you. Um, And then this crate was on back order. And so I I reached out via messaging, right, just um, on screen messaging um, and said, hey, you know, wondering when it's going to ship. And the person, you know, asked me a couple quick questions immediately, you know, gave me an immediate answer and then said, hey, since you're a dog person, we really love dog people. Can you tell me a little bit about your dogs? Right. And so I'm sort of chatting like, oh, this crate is for my new Welsh Springer Spaniel, Um, It was like my Corgi's crate, but he outgrew it. And, you know, and there was, it wasn't an exhaustive interaction. Like, it's not like we spent hours, but I thought that, you know, them taking the time to say, hey, you know, we are a brand that loves dogs um, and you're a person who loves dogs. Let's have a moment to connect on that plane. Um, And, you know, and so for me, that was great because it was Seamless, right? It was it was a brand that said like, hey, we want to make this experience good and we're going to do what we can to make it right. Um, but then we're also going to take a moment, you know, on a chat, live chat to to connect, even though we can't be in person and I can't go to a store and pick this up. We're going to take that moment to have an experience where we connect. Um, and so for me, that was amazing. And I will say that, like I now tell everyone they should buy their dog stuff from Orvis um, and when my puppy destroys the next dog bed, I'll be getting the next one from Orvis. So, um, I don't know if it's, you know, overall, but just such an impactful experience to say, let's connect on an emotional level, even though we're not, not together.
0: Awesome. Well, you actually answered both the first question and the second question, which was a clue. What would be a clue? Yeah. And, uh, I, Lonnie, the best to you and your family and Thank to your you. pets and, uh, I hope to see you soon, um, live, uh, and I know we're both involved in uh, working with uh, Michigan State in terms of actually seeing an MBA program in in experience management, customer experience management. And so thrilled that uh, you're part of that and will make a difference there and that you continue to make a difference in the world. Well, and you. every day. Thank you so very, very much.
1: Yeah. Well, and thank you for reaching out, Lou. I, I always enjoy our conversations and um, you know, I have learned so much from you as well. You know, particularly this power of emotion when it comes to brand and customer experience is something that um really, you know, elevated my thinking and has played a role in, you know, in, in every role I've had since the, the work we did together at John Deere. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much. You're yep. a dear friend yep. and appreciate you so much. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to do this today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, Lou. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Clued In with Lou Carbone. If the advancement of the practice of experience management's financial and emotional impact drives you, please reach out to Lou on LinkedIn or visit experienceengineering.com or email us at info at expeng.com.